it's just being able to hear the voice of the Lord and what He's speaking into a situation, regardless of whether it's been day or night, regardless of whether or not it's been darkness or light. He's always been there and He's always been with me. Bottom line, He's always good. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. Hello, everybody. We are back with another, I mean, I guess it's another God episode, another Mm, testimony of um, God testimony. Another testimony of God's goodness and power in our lives. And uh, I think it's safe to say that that is pretty much every testimony, right? His goodness and his power working in and through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have a, a little PDF that I sent to everyone and I asked them to think about moments where uh, God was intimate, uh, stories about identity, and stories of uh, God's power. So that's kind of the three main themes that I'm trying to to pull from our storytellers. So, Well, there you go. Yep. And I think this specific story from our friend Sherry has elements of all three of those, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I do. I do. It's really, um, it's, I think that for many of our listeners, it will connect in some way or another. It did for me. Yep. And I, I found a lot of, um, a lot of hope and a lot of peace, uh, in hearing Sherry's story. So we hope the same for you guys. Um, by the way, I should let you guys know that, um, when we are recording this, it is kind of a cloudy and dreary day in Dallas, Texas. So I feel like maybe we are also a little melancholy and not, um, our our normal chipper exuberant selves you know because that's how we always are you might be (laughs) so we'll just let you guys listen to this story and um, receive what god has for you um, as you do you're listening to sherry's story the heart of the father Okay. Hi, I'm Sherry. I am a cradle charismatic from small town Oklahoma, and I've been following Jesus like all the days of my life, and I want to keep going. Over the course of my life, there's been an element of fear that I've been trying to to get free from, and it started when I was probably about four or five years old. There's a significant age gap between my siblings and I, and my brother went off to college. My sister and I didn't share a room anymore, and I can remember the first night that that I was in my room by myself, but I couldn't go to sleep. I, I got up out of bed and I went to talk to my mom and dad. And my mom was like, Sherry, it's time for you to go to bed. And I was like, but I can't go to sleep. And she was like, well, think about the all the stuffed animals in your room as being angels. And I was like, mom, that, that, that makes me more scared. And she was like, okay, well, start singing a song. And I was like, well, what song do I sing? And she said, sing, sing one of the songs from church. And I was like... I can't think of any songs from church. And she said, sing, I love you, Lord. So I went back to my bedroom, got in bed, 
And I was paralyzed in fear, like I could not move. I can remember there were like windows in my room and it felt like things were looking at me. And so I started singing. And as I started singing, I began to relax a little bit. And then I'd continue singing and eventually I was able to fall asleep. And so for probably the first, I don't know, 20 years of my life, that's what I did. Like I'd sing myself to sleep with I love you, Lord. But that fear wasn't just, there were three different things that happened like all at once when that fear came in. One of the things that happened was my sister and I went to find one of our cousins who was fishing on somebody's pond and we had a friend with us. And so our friend Amy, she had a little dog. And as we're going to look for our cousin, her little dog was walking in front of us. And the people who owned the pond that the cousin was fishing on had a German shepherd and the German shepherd attacked the poodle. And I, I didn't see it. I heard it and it sounded awful. And needless to say, the tiny little poodle did not survive. Right around that same time, I had a dream and we lived out in the middle of nowhere. Like I think we had 240 acres that we were on. So like that's almost a mile of land that was just us. So we were out there on that piece of land and I had a dream one night that my dad and I went, we were walking through the pasture. We we go into this one particular dip and when we went into this this little dip that was like a little bit of a valley, when I looked over to my right, there was a coyote and it scared the bejesus out of me. And um, my dad didn't do anything to protect me from the coyote. Like, I, I think I woke myself up. And so those three things took place. And then my brother moved off to college. Then I was in my room alone by myself. And that's when the fear came in. So fear, fear was always there. And like, there was some weird stuff that happened in that house. Like, um, we had a, we were we were connected to a church, but again, it was like way far away, and so you couldn't really build a community because of the fact that it was way far away. But my mom and dad invited people over um, so that we could do a hayride one year. Dad like put hay on the the back end of a, a flatbed trailer, and and my mom was driving the tractor, and we're out on all the back gravel roads, and we're doing our thing, and we we come back. I was sitting between my aunt and my uncle, and my dad needed to tell something to my uncle. So my dad had leather-soled boots on, and he walked across the tongue of the trailer to my uncle from the tractor. And he said whatever it was that he needed to say to my uncle. And then on his way back, he slipped. And when he slipped, he fell underneath the trailer. And he grabbed a hold of the axle of the, the wagon, and he pulled himself up. And my mom, she drug him because the roar of the diesel engine were yelling, yelling, yelling. She can't hear anything because she can only hear the tractor. So my uncle jumps off of the tract off of the trailer and he runs in front of the tractor and he waves my mom down. So my mom finally gets the tractor shut down. They pulled my dad out from underneath the tractor and like his his shirt's like completely shredded because she's just drug him on a gravel road for hundreds of feet, right? And I can remember, I was, I was like five or six when it happened. And I can remember saying, is he going to be okay? Is he going to live? And I don't think that the person that told me this realized that they were talking to his daughter, who was five. But some woman turned around and she looked at me and she was like, there's no way he's going to live. I can feel the hopelessness of that situation. But at the same time, in the midst of that, 
my first my first um, response was to pray. And I know that this is a horribly judgmental prayer, but the prayer that that five-year-old prayed was, Lord, I don't want to grow up without a parent. Would you, would you fix this? Lord, would you come and will you heal my dad? It was fear-based and it was really judgy <laughs> because I didn't want to be a kid that didn't grow up without both of my parents. But the Lord, he, he did. Like he, he came in and um, it, was, it was a long road to recovery for my dad. They, life, they ended up life flighting him or care flighting him to the hospital in Tulsa. And um, he had road, road rash from the top of his shoulders down below his, his waist. Um, it ruptured his spleen. Uh, I think that one of his lungs were collapsed, uh, bruised, bruised his heart. And I think it did, I think it bruised his liver and kidneys. But there was like really significant damage that was done to him. He's got brown eyes and his eyes were like so bloodshot that they were almost black. Like the entirety of his eyes were almost black from the pressure of what happened. And the pastor of the church that we were going to at the time, he called in pastors from a church that were, they were moving to the area and they all came together and they prayed for my dad. And one night the doctors came in and said, you're going to have to have skin grafts. So they came in, they prayed for him the next morning when the doctor came back, he was like, there was like a 50% recovery that had taken place overnight to the skin on my dad's back, but he never had to have skin grafts. They sent him home with medicine and they were like, you're going to have a weak immune system and like, you're, you're always going to be sickly from here on out. You're going to be prone to skin cancer and like all these different things. And my dad is like one of the healthiest people that you'll ever meet. Like, I think that I can remember three times in my life where he's been sick. So um, sometimes doctors are wrong. (laughs) So like the pains of our childhood, we don't always realize the significance of them. And as they're unfolding when you're a kid, I didn't really think that there was any long-term residual effects of the time in that house. We didn't like I've had to unpack as an adult. So fast forward, the Toronto revival took place when I was in high school. And I actually got to go do the school of ministry in Toronto, like back when the revival was like really, really going strong. And it was amazing because I encountered the heart of the father in a way that I had never experienced before. And it was like his nearness was like, it was just right there. And it was just really, really sweet. And it was really, really precious. So I went up and I got to do four months in Toronto and I got to experience heart healing. There was a huge emphasis on it up there because it was all about the father heart of God. And if we're going to identify with God as a father, we're going to see it through the lens of what our dad, what our earthly dad looked like. And there's sometimes that our earthly dads aren't a great reflection of who God the father is, right? And my dad, my dad's an amazing man and I love my dad. And we got some of the woundings healed up, which there really weren't that many, but there's still this weird element of fear. And I was scared of being by myself. Several years later, I was renting an apartment and fear is there. It's kind of, I don't want to say that it's my friend, but I'm in my thirties and I'm still struggling sometimes to be able to sleep at night. And it's, it's paralyzing, like can't move. And when you're, when you're like in the dark and in the darkness and you can't move and 
Like it's, it's scary. And what do you do? And, um, I was, I was renting an apartment from a family, the dad, he actually, he knew the authority that he walked in and he would pray for over his, his wife. And then he'd pray over his kids and then he'd pray for me. And then he'd pray over his business. And there was a shift that came to my life in regard to fear. And I, I think that it's directly related to the authority that he knew that he walked in because it was in that place that I realized, oh, I was here completely by myself. Like they weren't home in their house and I was by myself in my apartment and I was completely fine. So a couple more years go by. I did a restoring the foundations situation and we went back to, in, in the course of that, we went back to the accident that occurred with my dad. So I'm looking back at this memory and like we forgave the lady that, that said what she said about my dad not making it. And I repented for judgment. And it was the coolest thing because in that memory, as they pulled my dad out from underneath the trailer, my dad morphed and he became Jesus. Jesus took on my dad's body and he took on the death that was there. And in that moment when I saw my dad transformed into Jesus, I was like, not only was he there for me to keep me safe and keep me protected in that moment, he was also there with my dad to keep my dad alive so that I could continue to have a dad. I love that so much. I think that that's such a beautiful thing that like, it's like peeling back the the layers of an onion to to deal with some of the the memories that were associated with that house. Well, the the most recent experience that I had was that the church that I currently attend, they started singing, I love you, Lord. And as they started singing, I love you, Lord, I saw myself in that room that was my room in the house that we lived in. And I'm sitting on the floor by myself. And I was completely content sitting there on the floor by myself. And I had toys. And it was like, the congregation became angels that were singing around me. And it was like that that room that from my childhood was filled with like the voices of heaven singing, I love you, Lord. And I was completely content and completely okay. And it was, I knew that the Lord had done something really significant in that moment. As I sat there, I was able to say, Lord, I forgive my mom and dad for not being able to give me more than what they had because they gave me their best. They really did. They gave me they gave me the best of what they had. And I know that they gave me the best of what they had. It was just that what I needed was a little bit more than what they had, but the Lord was there. As I prayed that prayer of forgiveness towards my mom and dad, there was something that was like in the core of my chest that it, it like disconnected and it broke. And I felt cold that melted out and it went down out through my shoulders and down into my arms. And I felt it leave and it went out my fingers. And then I saw pools on the floor that came out. And it was like this, this fear that was cold. It disconnected from me and it, it broke that day. It was something that had stayed with me, that had been with me for, for all of my life. And that day, I know that, I know that the Lord shifted and it's, it's not there anymore. Something that I didn't tell you that I think is also really cool. Um, when I was in college, I took a meteorology class and they were talking about, um, there's apparently four or five different types of rainbows. There's obviously the one type of rainbow that we see during the day that comes after the storm. Um, but then there's another type of rainbow, rainbow that exists at night. 
and it it's, exists in the form of a halo around the moon, which I think is really cool because when there's a halo around the moon, it's usually indicative of an atmospheric shift. That's kind of a cool thing. But also if you think about the symbolism of a rainbow, God's not a man. He doesn't lie. He keeps his promises. So I was talking to my sister about the halo and and the significance of a halo around the moon. And my sister was like, there was a halo around the moon the night that dad got ran over. I think that that's really cool because even in the night, God still keeps his promises. Like even when we're when we're in a space that's really, really dark, God's promises are still yes and amen. It's just being able to hear the voice of the Lord and what he's speaking into a situation. And regardless of whether it's been day or night, regardless of whether or not it's been darkness or light, he's always been there and he's always been with me. And bottom line, he's always good. All right, so that was Sherry's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, it was. Uh, what, do you, what do you have to say about it? Well, you know, I think I, before, like in the intro, I think I shared that um, it, it gave me a lot of peace and, um, and, and encouragement. And I, so there are just a few things that I wanted to clear up for the listener. So if you, um, have never heard of um, restoring the foundations, restoring the foundations, or of any type of heart healing. Um, I would just encourage you that uh, basically it's it's prayer, but it's um, like with teachings of any kind. There are different modalities, different types of teachings, different types of learnings, different types of prayer. Mm-hmm. where um, sometimes when we pray, we're just talking to the Father. Sometimes we're seeking something from the Father. Um, and, you know, different people go about doing those things or praying in those ways to to heal people's hearts mm-hmm. um, from past wounds or trauma because really like that is the heart of the father, right? Is that he doesn't want us to stay stuck in the past or um, traumatized by something that's happened in our past. He came to set the captives free. And anytime that we're stuck in like a trauma or stuck in... Well, if you keep going, he can set the captives free and bind up the brokenhearted. Well, there you go. So I think that, that restoring the foundations or whatever modality when it's done well is is uh, somebody helping you navigate connection to holy spirit to the father and right. to jesus right uh, yes. a, a guide yeah um, yeah guiding you through that process so i don't know if our listeners um I don't, you guys, I don't know if you're leery of that type of ministry or that type of prayer or whatever, but I I just thought about how it really is the same thing as any other type of ministry that really seeks healing, whether it's um, like a celebrate recovery or um, honestly a Bible study that is geared towards um, any type of 
restoration. I don't know. It's forgiveness. It's, or forgiveness. Yeah. Like divorce care. I mean, there's all these ministries that I think people deem as kind of quote unquote safe. And then when you just kind of do listening prayer or a heart healing prayer of some kind or um, retreat or ministry in that arena, it's, people sometimes tend to pump the brakes a little bit because they're like, whoa, that, that seems a little weird. But really it's the same thing it's just a different type of coach or a different type of guide working you through mm-hmm. um, trauma. Yeah, and I, I like the th- when people talk about your imagination, mm. like God gave you an imagination, mm-hmm. right? So I, I feel like what Sherry, what her story um, does a good job of exposing you to is how she engages her imagination mm. with the Lord and how that, um, you know, whether it's picturing her dad, reimagining her dad's that tragic, uh, hopeless accident. scenario, yeah. accident, and then you with your guide, with, mm. with the person who's doing, you know, facilitating their strong foundations, we invite Jesus into that moment. We use our imagination. She uses her imagination to go back to that scene. And then Jesus can transform that experience mm-hmm. and that memory mm-hmm. that really can heal your heart. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes an experience to change an experience. Oh, I, th- I would say it always takes an experience to change an experience. You can't, Words will never do that, you know? Like if somebody tells you over and over again that you are um, ugly, it doesn't matter how many times someone tells you that you're pretty, you'll constantly go back to the wounding words that you've experienced versus believing what somebody then tells you. So you have to have an experience to believe that you're anything but ugly. I just learned that from um, a class on heart transformation and restoration and um, just the operations of the heart and how it works. And, and the heart can, can they, they know now that the heart can contain or carry memories. Yeah, the heart is like a second brain. It's really powerful. Anyway, we're kind of getting off on a tangent, but all of that to say... I do, I agree with you 100% that Sherry's story is really powerful and helpful in in helping um, show how in her life the Lord used various modalities to heal her past Mm -hmm. and to set her free from Mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really beautiful and really powerful. And I love that she shared all of that. And I, and I especially love that she said, um, you know, she was able to forgive her parents and to see that her parents who are not perfect gave everything that they had Mm. as flawed as it was it was the best that they had to give and that's all any of us can do right and then it's up to jesus to do the rest Mm -hmm. um and to fill in the gaps and i think that that's so powerful and i think there's a lot of freedom in that too when we can see that 
We're all just flawed humans trying our best and giving the best that we can. And yet, because we are not perfect, what we have to give isn't going to be perfect either. And I think that allows us to kind of put our family or take our family and our friends off the hook and really go back to the only source of perf- of perfection this side of heaven, and that's the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I, I love the way she put that, that section. And one of the things she said, I, I wrote down, she said, what I needed was a little more than what they had to give. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think that, that there is a, a cool aspect of her story. It's sort of like the limitations of an earthly father and where our heavenly father can kind of pick up the pieces mm-hmm. and, and fill, and fill in. in the gaps. Yeah, which points to where our hope truly is. Mm. You know, you have the hopeless situation of the of her earthly dad, um, all his strength being taken from him. Yeah, wow. And then when we revisit that scene, God shows up and shows his real strength mm. in taking on death and defeating death. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I and I liked how it closes with the whole halo around the moon and how even in, in you know, the whole idea of the rainbow, it's like that's just a powerful symbol for God's grace. And, yeah. and so to have it in the daytime and then also to have it at night, even when it's darkest, God's promises are still yes and amen. I thought that that was kind of a really powerful sort of uh, symbolic close to yeah. to her story. Mm. Couldn't agree more. So, so good. So thank you, Sherry, for sharing your story. And thank you, listeners, for being a part of our ministry and our journey and allowing us to be a part of yours. We're super grateful. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Love you guys. With every episode, we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.